MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. Today, the Trump legal team files their full impeachment defense brief. Adam Schiff talks about the NSA. A security probe targets a Trump Russia advisor. New York Times endorses a candidate's why abuse of power is impeachable and incel cosplay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> incel cosplay. Incel cosplay in Virginia. Oh, God. I'm your host, AG, and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? I am good. Good. Busy, busy. I yeah. just got back from uh, Fullerton and... Uh, I did a show in West Covina that was really fun at the Chatterbox. Chatterbox. How was it? So great. If you're in that area and you're not that far from it, go to that show. Sunday nights at 7. So uh, good. Chatterbox, Covina. Yeah. It's like a super good dive bar. Uh, Where's Covina? I have fucking, I don't know. I was just there and I have no idea. What freeway did you take? Duh. What are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah. I took the five at some point, and then the <laughs> ten, and then I think maybe the fifty-seven. Oh yeah, I, I have know. no clue. Yeah. Interesting. Oh well, like Fullerton. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like thirty minutes away from Fullerton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll look it How up. How are you? We have Googles. I'm good. You're good. I'm good. You're great. It's because my... it's it's my birthday. Your birthday. <laughs> Whoa. Yes, I'm twenty-six. <laughs> Pew pew. Those are poppers. <laughs> Still not gonna get over that. Sound. God, the worst sound ever. You really leaned into that too. You did. It was good. I'm yeah. glad you did though. You didn't lean into it like Seth MacFarlane would have. Oh, he would have gone on for like 20 minutes. Yeah, that's it, so. true. That's true. I, our listeners, thank you for that. Yes, but it is Ag's birthday, so send her uh, birthday vibes. Yes, and thank you for all the birthday wishes I've gotten already. It's really. That's it's just awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, couple months and especially interesting few weeks. So uh, I think everything's getting back to normal. And I painted a wall today. Beautiful um, wall. Thank you. The best wall. It, I, yes, it's the. I, I painted sixteen <laughs> feet of the wall today. I put a plaque yeah. on it. You've done. You've you've covered more space on that wall than Trump has. <laughs> I got more of the wall done. Mm-hmm. Than Trump, <laughs> you did. And it didn't cost me eight billion dollars. No. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited about that. I got my new chair. I got my thing. I got a new uh, walnut uh, sideboard. I'm mid-century modern uh, kind of freak. So. Yay. I'm very excited. Um, new house, new, well, same house, but new, <laughs> new, vibes. new insides and new vibes. And, and, uh, I'm having a me party. All right. Um, we do have a lot of news to get to. So why don't we do that with uh, the hot notes? Hot notes. All right. During an appearance on ABC's This Week, House Intel Chair and Impeachment Manager Adam Schiff said the NSA, National Security Agency, and the CIA, uh, maybe withholding documents related to Ukraine from Congress because of pressure from Trump and the White House. He was asked about, well, he was, so he's on this show, and they asked him about reporting from Politico that intelligence agencies don't want to testify in public during the upcoming world threat brief and instead are asking for a private briefing. And we talked about this on the weekend shows. 
Um, they're afraid of being slammed by Trump about anything they say that goes against what Trump talks about, his lies, pretty much. Which, by the way, he surpassed 16,000 this lies? week. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, who, who Whose house is covered in tally marks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, who is keeping track? I think it's the Washington Post. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I, I'm I'm expecting like them to publish sometime during the impeachment, like all sixteen thousand lies on on like two pages, like mm-hmm. super tiny, like they did with the Mueller report. Oh, but totally. We'll see if they do that. Uh, if you're if you haven't thought about that, you should do that, Washington Post. If that's you, mm-hmm. uh, if not, whoever whoever it is. Um, so if you remember last year during the same brief, the world threat brief, intelligence officials, for example, said um, Iran was complying with the nuclear deal and they weren't as much of a threat as Trump said they were, calling them extremely passive. Uh, and Trump got pissed. He blew up about it. And Schiff confirmed that news from Politico that the intelligence agencies want to do a private world threat brief because they don't want the public backlash from the president. Uh, but I think that it would be good for us to know mm-hmm. what is actually happening instead of what we hear from Trump. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure Trump would be fine with a private brief and doesn't want us to know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Schiff confirmed that news from Politico and then added that Ukraine-related documents are being blocked by the White House. Uh, he says, quote, and I'll say something even more concerning to me, and that is the intelligence community is, be- is beginning to withhold documents from Congress on the issue of Ukraine. The NSA in particular is withholding what are potentially relevant documents to our oversight responsibilities on Ukraine, but also withholding documents potentially relevant uh, that the senators might want to see during the trial. He, he goes on to say, uh, there are signs that the CIA may be on the same course. We are counting on the intelligence community not only to speak truth to power, but to resist pressure from the administration to withhold information from Congress because the administration fears that they incriminate them. Um, we have no information on what's in these documents. Schiff knows. Um, oh, not, I mean, obviously not what's in the ones he hasn't gotten. Right. Uh, unless he knows and he's waiting for them. Yeah, or he knows what he's expecting. Exactly. Uh, but something the NSA can do is intercept conversations between Zelensky and Ukrainian officials. That could be explosive to Trump's defense that he put no pressure on the Ukrainian government. Mm-hmm. So the NSA can do that. What they can't do is intercept Trump's yeah. conversation. Oh, God, they're like the apple of the government. <laughs> give us the phones. <laughs> Unlock it. Uh, the Intel Committee has been seeking documents quietly from the NSA since last fall. We didn't know this until this reporting came out in Washington Post. And Schiff and the NSA had apparently struck up an agreement about what would be handed over. Uh, it turns out the NSA stopped short of what they had agreed to. Though the administration says they're not blocking, it's just taking a minute. Hmm. And delay is Trump's only defense, so Mm -hmm. that makes sense. This administration slow rolls everything from Trump-appointed judges refusing to move court cases forward, like the uh, McFadden slowing down the House Ways and Means Committee case uh, to get the the Trump tax documents as part of its review of the presidential audit program at the IRS. Mm -hmm. That it's been sitting around since June or July. Nothing. And in the same court. Meanwhile, everything else is already up to the Supreme Court. And that's a Trump appointed judge. Mm. Trevor McTrevor. Trevor McTrevor. Trevor McFadden. (laughs) Trevor McFadden. Um, And then, of course, we have the release of the Mueller memos, the 302s, the interviews. Uh, They've been dripping out and we found out that they're blocking the Kushner one. I think it was released, but it was that fully redacted one with the name redacted, too. That's my beans around that. Uh, because in the in the dump dump number three, 
There was like a 31-page interview, fully redacted, totally blacked out, as was the name of the person interviewed. I think that's the Kushner one, but still redacting and blocking. Uh, Or the McCabe documents surrounding his firing. Those still haven't come out, even though the judge was like, you know, fish or cut bait. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to either stop the investigation or hand over the documents. They're like, all right, okay, we'll we'll do it. Chill out. And they still haven't. So just delay, delay, delay. That's Mm -hmm. That's all they have. That's all they can do. Um. That's really frustrating, and it's got to be frustrating for Adam Schiff and the intelligence communities. I'm just, I'm feeling like, I've again, I've been feeling like we're at a tipping point for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it is like a very painfully slow teeter. Yes, the tantric justice situation. The, yes, the tantric teeter board. The <laughs> tantric teeter board. I wonder too if they're just waiting on Durham too with McCabe, for example. They're like, let's just extend this until we can have Durham come out with some bullshit that will then embolden us to come out with an indictment against McCabe. Yeah, but I mean, they're waiting on him, too, because he hasn't found shit. Mm-hmm. Just like they were, just like the McCabe, you know, oh, we don't, oh, no, no, everything's cool. Or, you know, we have, oh, no, we'll get a new grand jury. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And then, you know, like we've talked about this in yesterday's episode, the IG report from the FBI New York field office hasn't come out. Mm-hmm. They delayed as everything as much as they could. I know they didn't want that fucking IG report to come out from the Department of Justice on on the opening of the Trump Russia investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had a couple of gems in there, like the seventeen problems with the FISA. Right. Um, You're talking about the Horowitz yeah. report. Yeah. The IG. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, the stuff that Ray addressed in a letter, saying we acknowledge that these were like fuck ups. Yeah. Yeah. That Chris mm-hmm. Ray talked about. Yeah. And that, then everyone tried to blow them up as much as they could. And that's then it the only died reason the that came cycle out. Two days later. Yeah. That's the only reason yeah. that thing came out is because there were 17 mistakes in the FISA warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, although no wrongdoing or a political bias was found. And of course they had a way to spin that. So just like they couldn't really keep the Mueller report from coming out, but they sure as shit could change everybody's way of viewing it mm-hmm. before it got here. And from the Associated Press, check this shit out. A White House advisor on Europe and Russia has been placed on administrative leave pending a security-related investigation, according to two sources familiar with his ouster. His name is Andrew Peek. Hmm. P-E-E-K, Peek. Pikachu. Uh, <laughs> and he was unceremoniously escorted off the White House grounds on Friday. Unceremoniously. That happens so much during this administration. People are just walked yeah, out just without... poked with a stick in yeah. the spine. <laughs> get, get. <laughs> get, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Little lawnmower kid. Hey, get that guy out of here. I was like, but my life, I gave it to you. <laughs> The White House has no comment, uh, but this guy's only been there since November. He was the guy who took over for Tim Morrison, who resigned before he testified in the impeachment inquiry, who took over for Fiona Hill before she resigned, uh, before she testified in the impeachment inquiry. And then this is the third guy. He was an Army intelligence officer. This is who Vindman reported directly to, by the way. Um, and he was an Army mm-hmm. intelligence officer that served in Afghanistan. He was supposed to travel with Trump to Davos, but was pulled from the itinerary last week. And then Reza Marashi and Malcolm Nance and a couple other people are reporting that both Peak and another NSC advisor on Iran named Goldberg were both removed because they had been compromised by honeypots, Russian women working for the Kremlin uh, that apparently stole laptops and phones from them uh, while they were, I don't know. They were ladies of the night? Well, they were, you know, Russian agents, but... Like uh, love like, was involved. 
of some kind kind of like a boot and a beauty and the beast erickson okay. situation okay but that is like what they're trying to suggest yeah russian hookers sort of, okay that work for the kremlin okay is, is what they're they're publishing i didn't i didn't want to use i don't right. like the word hooker right right right. yeah um but i mean they're spies <laughs> right yes. uh but yeah that's their whole thing is to be hot and seduce yes. men and steal their shit locked up abroad origin story kind of stuff yes yeah uh so um hmm Apparently they're into that, but no. So they're in trouble for that, or they're just getting removed because they're compromised. Well, we don't know much about it because no mainstream media outlets are reporting it. It's that only sucks. the it's only like Nance and um, uh, a couple of I mean you know verified sources who work closely with this kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it t- it seems like they're a security risk. I don't, mm-hmm. and there there is an investigation too. Um, but I mean, if they were compromised and didn't know and had their shit stolen, I don't know how they could be um, prosecuted for anything other than maybe, you know, soliciting a, a, a sex worker. But yeah. Or but even if um, it might not have even been that they might have broke protocol by having that person in in their room or something in a way that they could even like get access to those things. Yeah, that's that's again that you would just be fired for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how. How mishandling classified information that is like i doubt they'd look into it like they looked into hillary's emails is what i'm saying yeah do you think it could have been a potential setup maybe if this person was a direct report to vinman could be Hmm. that was my other thought too like now everyone who gets removed i'm like why yeah exactly why right well because they're obviously not doing the stuff that would effectively move our foreign diplomacy forward they're only their checklist of things to do are only the things that serve the president at this point so well like peak for example he was an iran iraq advisor before they pulled him to cover for tim morrison after tim morrison left after fiona hill left (laughs) and so and that was all in like a two-month period and this might have happened when he was doing that Mm -hmm. um but apparently you know they put him in that position and at some point um what some people are alleging is is that he was compromised by Russian spies, women, hmm. female or a female. I don't know if there's more than one. And uh, the New York Times has made their endorsement for the Democratic candidate for president, and they chose two. Uh, the two women in the race, minus Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, they picked Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. Uh, I'm weirded out a little by this. Um, I don't know why. I feel I'm just a little uncomfortable with it. I don't think they would have chosen two men if it came down to it. But I have not seen a good reaction on the Internet to this. It's weird, right? It's mm-hmm. like mm, it's like uh it's like it's like trying to have your cake and eat it too. Mhm. It's like <clears throat> because the on fact one that it's both women? Y- no. Or that it's Klobuchar and Well, one. there's there's two different ways to look at it. There's there's a way to look at it that it's the women, mm-hmm. but minus Tulsi Gabbard. Mm-hmm. Um and and that doesn't bother me so much as the flip side of that would they have done it with two men then it's like well is this a is this sort of a sexist thing Mm -hmm. but then also thinking you you've picked a moderate candidate and a progressive candidate yes that's the part that's extra weird to me too and and that's just because you don't want to piss off half the dems Mm -hmm. i'm not very familiar with their endorsement process do they normally just pick one candidate yep okay got it and if it was just the women they didn't pick tulsi yeah, but I guess it is fair to only pick from the people that were actually on the stage, I guess. Or in a top five yeah. tier. But, I mean, you can't say they picked all the women. Right. Um. So I don't know if that's it. Uh. But it just seems odd. Like, I don't know. Now, 
Yeah. I, I appreciated Warren and Klobuchar's reactions uh, on Twitter. Warren tweeted, so I guess Amy Klobuchar and I are now both undefeated in New York Times endorsements, which I thought was cute and funny and well played. Mm-hmm. And then Klobuchar tweeted, an honor. Um, so, again, I can't tell if this message is elect a woman or we don't want to upset progressives or moderates or... Uh, I think a stronger endorsement, if you were just not, if you weren't going to go with one candidate, would just be, we endorse the Democrat in 2020. Like, why didn't they just do that? Yeah, I agree. The fact, yeah, it's like no voter, that doesn't help any voter, really, giving one progressive candidate and one moderate candidate. Right. That's like. It's like, who do you want, a progressive or a moderate? What are you? Yeah. And I, I think. I don't know if this is me being cynical, but if the last debate had gone a little bit differently and there weren't so many like slam dunks by the women basically on stage, because like Klobuchar and Warren had a really good night. I they think. did. Yeah. And I feel like if that didn't happen, then that wouldn't have happened. Could this be. This endorsement wouldn't have happened. It almost seems like they're riding the wave of like, what fuck yeah, think. women can win, you yeah. know, which is like great. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for that, I guess. But when you're like- Then say the women. Right. Or- yeah, or even better, like you said, just the or Democrat. a woman. They're, we endorse a woman. Right. Or the Democrat, or just something, you know, just to pick these two. Sp- and I love them both. I mean, I'm not trying to say. Right. I don't know. No, yeah, it's just kind of strange. It's very strange because it's like, you're not really picking a candidate. You're obviously trying to send a message. I think the bigger message, to me at least, if you read the article itself, is that they didn't pick Biden or Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they called Sanders divisive, and then they, uh, they Biden was just too uh, moderate, I guess, uh, or just an old white guy. Yeah, I didn't read it. They um, said, why did they say Bernie was divisive? Just because uh, of how he acts? Yeah, just because of his campaign, and um, he was divisive in 2016. Even though him and Warren are basically the same on like most major policy issues, they're not talking about the policy issues though. I think they're talking oh, okay. mostly about his supporters themselves. and the the never the you know. Um, never Clinton stuff and the Bernie or bus stuff and the how Bernie took a minute to and didn't really strongly endorse Clinton. He 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 did endorse Clinton eventually. That kind of divisiveness. I mean, regardless of who you you love Bernie or hate Bernie, it was a divisive uh, Democratic primary last election cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't blame that on Bernie though. I would just blame that on the establishment versus progressives which is what that totally was yeah a lot of people would disagree but um i mean they would disagree with hillary being an establishment democrat you think no i think they would disagree with saying it's not bernie's fault that he was divisive Mm, got it that's fair uh just because i think some people thought and you know me i was a bernie delegate Mm -hmm. but i think some people thought and i really it bummed me out when sarah silverman was like get over yourselves and just you know fall in line i was like what uh, Fall in line with 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 Hillary Clinton. stuff yeah. after Bernie. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, Even though I, ultimately that was the thing to do, right? It was, but, but just give people a second. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were really into this guy. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I I do think that there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of vitriol. Yeah, I think so too. And I also just want to uh, provide more nuance to my establishment Democrat comment. An establishment Democrat is 1,000 times yes. better than the alternative. I'm 100%. Not, I'm not saying that is like, 
some really you know, you know never Clinton comment whatsoever. Right. I feel like I have to say that now because I can already sense the emails coming in. I'll <laughs> vote for Klobuchar. I'll vote for Biden. I'll yes. vote for Sanders. I'll vote for uh, Elizabeth. I'll vote for whoever wins the yeah. nomination. I will. Buttigieg. Whoever it is. Yeah. On the topic of establishment, though, what the New York Times did is Steyer will be hard. I would hate it, but I'd vote for him. <laughs> I like him. He wears plaid well. He's just a billionaire. <laughs> you know, just a, I do. I like his Argyle ties, <laughs> yeah. though. You're right. Yeah, I don't ever think about him too seriously, I guess. But but what they did do by picking Klobuchar and Warren, aside from the, both being women candidates, it's also people who are not considered part of the political, the Democratic establishment, really. Even though Klobuchar is moderate, she's not Biden. You know, she's like a much more nuanced She's a middle. Choice. Yeah. yeah, she's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, th- and I think that's I think that was kind of the main thing is it wasn't Biden or Sanders, and right. I think that that was and those are the two leaders uh, in most of the polls in most of the places. Uh, there are uh, obviously exceptions to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I could talk about this for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of opinions on that. I should read the article first, though. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You should, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get mad though. <laughs> yeah, probably. I have a feeling you're gonna be like, "What? Fuck? Yeah, yeah." I mean, but I the- felt like this week specifically, shit hit the fan between the Dems, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if it started with the handshake or if it started I with the with the Warren thing about the women or Sanders saying a woman can't win. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I swear to fucking God, um, the. A, a meme was shared, a video was shared that was specifically cut by the Bernie campaign about Biden saying Biden wants to cut Social Security. And yes, Biden has said in the past he, he wants to make adjustments, mm-hmm. but but all in all, he does not want to cut Social Security. And mm-hmm. there was a meme that the Sanders campaign put out with Joe Biden with a big pair of scissors and a giant Social Security card. Mm-hmm. And I it came from an unverified account. I don't think it's part of the Bernie campaign at oh, all. And it Bernie got picked supporters. up. Oh, yeah, okay. but it got picked up by the campaign. And so I, I tweeted, I was like, you guys, Biden doesn't want to cut Social Security. Talk about if you don't like his vote on the Iraq war, right, if you don't so like the you establishment, if you don't do, but to come out and just blatantly say that a Democrat wants to cut Social Security, I don't care how fucking moderate or pwned by Wall Street they are. Yeah. No, no Democrat is going to cut Social Security. They're just not going to do it. And the Congress won't let him, especially if we elect a Democratic Senate and a Democratic mm-hmm. and we keep the House. And I got my ass chewed by bots. Damn. And they're all pro-Bernie. Now, these aren't actual affiliated Bernie campaign things. But these are, you know, and we had this in 2016, and not just with Bernie. We had it with Tulsi. Mm -hmm. This is uh, bad actors, GOP and or Russia, trying to sow discord between Democrats. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Slow down a it minute. It is crazy when you have a bot interaction or multiple like that, huh? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I go to Bot Sentinel and I run what it says. And they were all like 80, 90% bot, troll bot. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, stop. You yeah. Know, this is, stop spreading this stuff. And then when I found somebody who wasn't a bot, I was like, where are you getting this? Yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and, you know, argue for Joe Biden forever because, I mean, he's not my first choice. Right. But like, let's be real and factual about what we're sharing we have to be cognizant it's like we forgot 2016 happened and yeah i I just feel this i feel like after um 
the like as we're coming up into the weeks of Iowa, that botnet, that artificial intelligence, that Epoch Times fucking Russia mm-hmm. Cambridge Analytica shit is starting to heat up where they're taking those accounts that used to be just like, hi, my name's Barbie and I like dogs. And now they're politicizing them and, and attacking people. And I think it's just going to be 10 times worse than it was in 2016. And I would just want people to be aware of it. I know y'all are listening to this show. Yeah. But it's like it really like ramped up this week and it's frightening. It's frightening. Mm-hmm. If they if the campaign did pick that up, that is disappointing because I think Bernie has made a name for himself a lot of times being the person that says let's not engage in that shit slinging basically. There's enough substantive arguments to have with one another. And we he don't... does say that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think what Biden is looking for now is for him to say, no, I don't think you, Joe, you're gonna, I don't think Joe's going to cut Social yeah, Security. Yeah, and he should say that because, but like he you hasn't said, yet, he probably so won't. There's the, uh, you right. know, and everyone on Twitter's like, you fucking suck, I hate your face. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey. <sighs> yeah, like you said that with Biden, if you look down just like a list of key issues, he is There's like, plenty. Like he's not for federally legalizing marijuana, for example. There's like plenty su- yes. of actual real things that he said that you don't have to guess about mm-hmm. or find or have semantic arguments about mm-hmm. that you can talk about if you really want to slam other candidates leading up to the primary. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like that, but I understand. I don't want to say I don't want to take away debates from people to say, hey, here's the negative parts about the number one you know, rival to the candidate I want. And here's why my candidate's better. Uh, I don't want to take that away from anybody. I wouldn't presume to. But but to just come out with shit that's just not even real. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. And this and I don't blame Bernie and I don't blame. uh, I don't blame the candidates and I don't blame the campaigns. I mean, I wish that they would come out and stomp it out. Uh, I wish because it seems like when bad shit comes out, all the Dems are guilty of letting it hang out there for a minute. Mm -hmm. They're all guilty of that. Right. And I wish they would stomp it out fast. Like, come on, we can't fucking let this happen again, because if we shoot holes into the candidate that we don't like to try to get our candidate to win the primary and then that other person gets the nomination, we're back to 2016 where people sit home and vote because they don't because they're mad that their candidate didn't win. They're so emotionally invested. Yep. And I, I just don't want to see that happen. Yep. It's hard for people to pull back from going so far down. It really path. is. Mm-hmm. And I felt that really hard, yeah. too. Because then I mean, they're like, well, am I a fucking fraud? It's like a kind of a hard thing. that keeps, Yeah, when you go so hard, especially if you start getting into the troll stuff on the internet <laughs> and you're like giving people shit for it and stuff, <laughs> then to just step back and be like sitting at the polls just thinking, fuck. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Hard well, to reconcile. it is. And you're right. We could have a whole show about this, but we do have uh, more news to get to, including uh, a breakdown of the Trump impeachment defense brief. Jordan, you have that for us right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And if you're like me, you're always on your phone. Actually, I bet you're on your phone right now while you're enjoying this podcast. So I wanted to let you know I just found an app that could save you up to 52% on your car insurance bill. Root Insurance developed a mobile app that measures driving behavior instead of basing your car insurance rates on your credit score, your age, or your zip code, or your gender. 
Root bases rates primarily on how you drive. By removing bad drivers from the equation, Root saved good drivers up to 52% in 2019. There's a reason why Root has been featured in Forbes, TechCrunch, Wired, The Washington Post, and Fortune magazine. In 2019, Root was the fastest growing direct insurance company in the U.S. They're the world's first mobile-first car insurance company. Their insurance card is available right from your phone, and if you get into an accident, you can file a claim directly in the app. It's car insurance made easy. They take the hassle out of it with rates based on how you drive primarily and not who you are. All you have to do is download the Root insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. What's even better than a good driving discount? Actual cash. Refer your friends and make money. Don't wait. Give Root a try. Head to your app store, download the Root Insurance app, and sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's Root, R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. Root reserves a right to refuse to quote any individual premium rate for the insurance advertised herein. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form number one, not available in all states. This product is not available in California. All right, everybody, welcome back to the B Block. Uh, And Jordan, the... 120-page Trump brief. I'm surprised those people could put that many pages together. Yeah, they're, um, <clears throat> it's a level of eloquence in their writing, too, that we have not seen yet. <laughs> now they're starting to, they're like, no, wait, take us seriously, actually. <laughs> Although they're still throwing in bullshit words that uh, makes it very hard to take them seriously. But, yeah, so pretty much Trump's legal team released a brief today ahead of the start of the Senate impeachment trial, which is starting today, if you're listening on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, laying out what their defense of the president is going to be. And with it, they called on the Senate to quickly acquit the president as well. So the documents in total with all of their background documents was 171 pages long. So I'll obviously just be going over some of the lowlights. That's highlights for losers. Sibylone, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, this, okay, this, this is an example of that fucking nice writing the articles themselves and the rigged process that brought them here are a brazenly political act by house democrats that must be rejected they debase the grave power of impeachment and disdain the solemn responsibility that power entails shut up i know shut up and also incredibly i mean it seems so redundant to say unprofessional (laughs) but saying rigged in an official brief like this that's leading up to a freaking impeachment it's like just yeah it's it's really bad yeah i mean i haven't read okay i had a question i should have looked this up before i uh started talking to all to for everyone to hear me but there's (laughs) (laughs) but i read something that said that it was the first it was the first brief that they have, like, brief laying out their legal defense, but I didn't understand, is that the first brief in this case, or is this the first time that a president's defense team has released a brief like this ahead of an impeachment trial ever? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the first brief in this case. Just Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so... They go on to argue, of course, that the articles against the president entail no violation of the law. That's something that they really hammer a lot, um, that no actual laws are broken. And they say that his conduct with Ukraine was all done out of national interest. So even the stuff that seemed bad wasn't bad because it was all done in the interest of our nation, which is uh, complete bullshit, obviously. But they're maintaining that throughout the entirety of this brief. Yeah, I was surprised that they were actually defending the his his conduct. Mm-hmm. First time I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. The brief um, claims that outside of criminal conduct, Trump acted properly when he blocked all subpoenas and requests for information as well, and that there wasn't enough evidence to prove that there was a quid pro quo either way. But they're not denying any of the facts that were actually brought forward 
through the House process, which is interesting to me. They're just saying they're not saying that the evidence that exists or that was presented in the House was wrong. They're just saying that the evidence was either one insufficient to establish that corrupt intent, basically, or quid pro quo, um, or two, that he was just justified in everything that he did. So that's the argument that they're making. The brief claims that the House impeached him for doing permissible acts, but for the wrong reasons. And because of that, this leaves any president open to impeachment by anyone that doesn't like the president, essentially. Uh, But he did not... (laughs) do permissible acts for the wrong reasons he did non-permissible acts that's of course the issue here also for the wrong reasons they uh say congress basically has no right to speculate as to why the president did something if what he did was legal uh but as terry canefield points out in this really amazing twitter thread that she had just going over this brief um this would essentially make it impossible to ever impeach a president if that's the argument that you're going to maintain right and that's the whole thing too and that, that that whole argument which is in there a bunch about overturning uh the will of the people and impeaching a duly elected president that's what you do that's how you get rid of a president duly mm-hmm. elected or fakely elected you impeach him yeah and this was what came out in and and trump has argued in the courts several times that he can't be indicted he can't be investigated he can't be provided oversight by congress and now he can't be impeached Mm -hmm. and and it's like basically and i think what you're kind of getting at and what a lot of pundits have said is that means if if this is correct if this argument is correct the president can do whatever he wants mm-hmm. and not be held accountable. Yep. Right. And and then it's also just this concept of it's already been well, well, well established that you your conduct doesn't have to rise to the level of, you know, criminality as far as courts are concerned. And that exactly is where Congress comes in and determines if what you were doing was an abuse of power, for example, or, or something that's not punishable by the law. But it does not it disqualifies you for leading the fucking country right (laughs) so if you're gonna make the argument that because everything he did was technically legal he's just off the hook then that would negate all of the precedent that's been set in former impeachments that didn't have to do with actual um you know well i mean i guess so like with clinton for example lying lying to congress was like the main issue yeah obstruction of justice yeah so then obstruction of justice is like that's like technically a criminal count yes that is a crime and then nixon's crux of his impeachment was what was the exact legal language on his well there we never got to it and when the jaworski report came out there were four instances of of criminal behavior Mm -hmm. uh that rose to the level of crimes and that's why he resigned before they impeached him yeah um but it's and I'll go into this in a minute um, when I talk about what Lawrence Tribe says and and something that Barb McQuaid shared about what is a high crime or misdemeanor. Right. And it's you're 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 exactly right. It's well established um, that that the Constitution was written before the Federal Criminal Code was. Yes. So you can't say, you know, when they mention bribery in in the Constitution, they aren't talking about criminal bribery. Right. They're not exactly. Obstruction of justice is obviously something that's on the table for Trump's conduct as well, which could definitely rise to the level of criminality, although that's not the language of the actual articles of impeachment that are being presented to the Senate. But it's like, right, I they're, they're going to argue it's obstruction of Congress, which is not a federal crime. Mm-hmm. 
and it sucks because it just all harkens back to this, you know, Don McGahn stuff and Lewandowski stuff, for example. And and the fact that they're relying on the idea that there is no actual legal, you know, there's no criminality threshold that he has reached. It's frustrating because I can see people reading this and thinking, oh, yeah, I guess technically there wasn't any sort of criminality established, you know, by his actions. But it's like. It's so, first off, yes, there could have been there was. if things went differently, and there was. But second off, like you said, there's precedent to interpret his actions in ways that are outside of if he was just a civilian and I wanted to charge him, mm-hmm. can we can we hold him accountable for his actions? But I don't know how many people are even going to really read this brief anyway. and They I, won't, but you'll hear it. Yes, definitely. You'll hear it during the trial. And... I mean, there were crimes, but we could, we can't indict a president, mm-hmm. and this isn't a criminal investigation. It's an impeachment, mm-hmm. uh, and so you don't charge crimes in an impeachment. If we did, their whole legal team would be like, you don't charge crimes in an impeachment. It's a political process. That mm-hmm. would be their defense. My question for their defense would be, can this president be impeached for anything? Mm-hmm. Right, which their answer would be no, because they think he gets to act however he wants to. Well, they would have to say yes, because any president could be impeached, right? They would, so then I would say, what for? Yes. What What would this president have to do? And they would say, commit a crime. And then I would say, well, isn't soliciting assistance to interfere in a foreign election or interfere in an election from a foreign government a crime? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Isn't withholding funds under the Empowerment Control Act violating the Empowerment Control Act? Isn't that? I mean, it's technically not against the federal criminal code, but it is a law. It's against the law. Um, so because it's not a statute, mm-hmm. and they might nitpick that. But then you're then you're sort of playing their game with them, trying mm-hmm. to say that crimes are required, and that's a bad, that's a slippery slope to go down. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the arguments countering the Trump impeachment defense. Are, are happening, but it appears Dershowitz is even waffling on his own belief in what the Constitution says. Because in 1999, and if they've showed this a lot on mainstream media today, uh, during Clinton's impeachment, he argued that crime is not needed for impeachment. Then over the weekend, he argued that a crime is required to impeach a president. And today, he's sort of backing off on that a little bit. He said a crime type thing, uh, a crimey typeish thingy, is what is needed. So he can't even keep his constitutional law consistent. And the Constitution hasn't changed much since Clinton. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and that gives the House managers a huge advantage if, Trump, if Trump's lawyer, lawyer witness or whatever the fuck he is, keeps his underwear on and tries to talk during the <laughs> trial. Uh, and this piece shared by Barb McQuaid I was telling you about by Erwin Chemerinsky. He asserts that if, Trump, if Trump's call with Zelensky is not a basis for impeachment, he's not sure what would be. Uh, there is no doubt what Trump did was an abuse of power. It's almost certainly illegal. Uh, like I said, using his power to get a foreign country to investigate a political rival is soliciting or receiving the assistance of a foreign government in a federal election. That violates federal law. And Dershowitz seemed to be, seems to be arguing Trump violated no law. The Constitution, however, like you said, Jordan, does not require there to be a criminal act to impeach because there's no criminal definition of high crimes and misdemeanors. Hamilton... Uh, late Yale law professor Charles Black, even Gerald Ford all agreed that high crimes and misdemeanors is 100% defined by a majority of the House and two-thirds of the Senate. Mm-hmm. That is what, who and who and how you define a high crime and misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. It's also hard because it's like something like, you know, an abuse of power article. Everything that's entailed within that has branches that if you were able to actually get the evidence and you were able to actually investigate the claims that surround that abuse of power... I'm 
positive, you could come up with an, and I say come up just, you know, obviously they're not concocting this. You could very legitimately find a criminal instance at some point in all of that conduct. Mm -hmm. So to say that, I mean, even if you want to interpret it in the sense that you need to have like an actual criminal act if we were able to corrupt fully... businesses practices act or whatever that is yes uh wire fraud uh computer fraud yeah uh, election uh fec violations uh obstruction of justice there's a million right uh but that's not what an impeachment does yes and that's not and that is why they didn't lay those out like that that's why they laid them out in yeah, articles they don't have to yeah and, and then this legal argument is relying on, number one, the fact that there is no definition really for high crimes and misdemeanors, like you said. And number two, that they won't be able to investigate all of these things to the point of actually finding actual criminal, you know, prosecutable actions because they're blocking everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I think... I just really hope that no one, no one read. I don't. I can't see anybody reading that. I don't even know who this argument's for. I guess is my point. Like, well, they're going to the make it on the floor in the next, in the first two days in the Senate. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to hear. That what's in that brief is what you're going to hear from the Trump side. So, do you think that brief is mostly just to give like Democrat, like a solid to Democrats essentially to just know what they're going to say? It's part of the rules uh, to alert everyone as to what your defense is via the exact format that they did it in, just like a brief. Yeah, just like a long legal brief. Yep. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And this just in, we, we got the, um, the resolution for the Senate rules for the trial. We'll go over that right after this. Stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and I am so proud to announce that Third Love is supporting the Daily Beans. And I'm obsessed with this company. They're women-owned. They make my absolute favorite bras ever. I'm totally obsessed with them. They're all I buy now. They're designed specifically to fit your individual body, and they use real models with real bodies and, and freckles and rolls, and I just absolutely tattoos, piercings. I love them so much. Uh, I was able to find my perfect fit in about a minute by taking their online Fit Finder quiz. Uh, they take into account data from millions of women who have taken the quiz and consider both cup size and shape to find the ideal bra for you. Many women fall in between cup sizes. I am one of those women, which makes it very difficult my whole life to find the right fit. I would always get that cup gap. But with Third Love, they have over 80 bra sizes, uh, including their signature half cup sizes. And I found the perfect fit for me. It's the most comfortable bra I've ever worn. I love them. I swear by them. Uh, every bra is made with memory foam cups, no slip straps, and smooth scratch-free bands with printed labels so that you don't have the itchy tag, all for optimal comfort. And they make bras they believe in. Every bra is backed by their perfect fit promise and this is so great the philanthropy love i love it you have 60 days to wear it wash it if you don't love it returns are free and best of all uh like i said they believe in giving back they'll donate their gently used bras to people in need um, supporting charities in their local san francisco bay area and across the united states so far they have donated over 15 million dollars in bras uh, third love knows there's a perfect fit for everyone so right now they're offering our listeners 15 percent off your first order go to thirdlove.com dailybeans now and find your perfect fitting bra get 15 percent off your first purchase that's thirdlove.com dailybeans for 15 percent off today you will be so glad you did all right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we just got the four-page resolution of the Senate rules. They've been uh, released, and the two presentations, here are some of the key points here. Two presentations by the House managers and Trump side, and we heard about this earlier, will be 24 hours, but they will have to be made within two days. So each side gets 24 hours, but each side only has two days to use those 24 hours. Um, that, that's a 12-hour day. And that didn't exist during the Clinton trial, so that kind of blows up McConnell's, I want it to be just like the Clinton trial, bullshit. 
Um, so they didn't have that, uh, but they had they had se- they had twenty four hours, but they had like four or five days to to do it. They had like six to eight hour days, and they took they didn't take you know two days. They didn't try to cram it in. It looks like he's trying to cram it in to get it done before the State of the Union because I, th- I think Trump was really pressuring him on that, and I think he made a deal with the moderate Republicans um, because regarding witnesses. In the Clinton trial, any senator could offer a resolution to call a witness. But here, the resolution says at the end of two presentations, there would be 16 hours of senator questions. And then after that, and then they they don't get to ask the questions with their mouths. They have to write them down. And and Chief Justice Roberts reads those. Uh, After that, um, in 1999, they had an offer of a motion to dismiss. Well, McConnell's taken that out. No, it's apparently there's no appetite for a motion to dismiss this case. That probably pissed Trump off. Mm-hmm. So McConnell had to try to really hard to get that to get the, you know, the two day thing in so he could have this done by his uh, State of the Union. Um, but here, instead of a motion to dismiss, the Senate will take up an up or down vote on whether or not to hear from witnesses and get documents. That's what those moderate senators were were pressing for. And so I think Trump pushing for this to be done by State of the Union made McConnell shove it down down into two days each, uh, 12 hours per day, 24 hours each side. And I think that the the moderate Republicans had him put that language in there, uh, guaranteeing an up or down vote on witnesses and documents after the opening arguments and after the senator's questions. Uh, And there will be a four hour argument on when they have the up or down vote. There'll be a four hour argument on that up or down, on whether to have witnesses and documents, and then the Senate will vote, simple majority rules. That's the language the four moderates, like I said, we're fighting for. Um, If that motion does not get, uh, if it doesn't pass, if it does not get a majority, um, it makes me wonder if other senators will get the opportunity to ask uh, for witnesses, Mm -hmm. or if Chief Justice can. That's still unclear. I haven't really figured that one out yet. But if they move forward onto witnesses and documents, if they vote yes for it, the rules say any witnesses would have to be deposed in private before they actually come and testify in public, and both sides would get to ask questions. So <clears throat> that's basically the overview of the rules here. So we got the, uh, the the moderate Republicans, I should say, not us, but the moderate Republicans got their wish to have an up or down vote after the presentations and the Senate questions. And But we have this condensed time frame where you have to You get 24 hours, but you have to do it in two days. Each side gets 24 hours, I should say. So that'll take four days. These rules will be uh, argued tomorrow or today, if you're listening Mm -hmm. on Tuesday, uh, on the Senate floor. Democrats are probably going to try to add amendments to get rid of that two-day, 24-hour thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll keep the 24-hour thing, but they'll be like, can we have three days, (laughs) you know, uh, a piece? When is the State of the Union supposed to be? February 3rd. Okay. February 4th. February 3rd or 4th. One, one, I think... (laughs) February 3rd is the Iowa caucus, and I think maybe February, right, the day before or the day after or that day is the State of the Union. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. State of his presidency. Really soon. <laughs> that is. But if if uh, Republicans agree to witnesses, it's not going to be done by the State of the Union. Right. Yeah. There's Yeah. What does that kind of sound like? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hello, I don't know. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a very this dark shit time. Sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna do a whole like idiocracy Camacho speech. Oh yeah, part of I would love for it to not be done for multiple reasons. Number one, so that there would be witnesses, and number two, so I could see him just flounder <laughs> in the State of the Union when just he's loses currently his fucking being mind. Or yeah, it's trial on trial. So great. Ugh, but God. we'll see. And that also scares me a little bit in thinking that the Republicans all agreed to vote no on that 
witness thing. Mm. Uh, but I, I doubt that the four moderate Republicans would have agreed to that in the outset. But I mean, McConnell doesn't do anything without votes. So it's just it's kind of unclear. And I know McConnell. But, you know, this might give McConnell cover to the president to say, hey, it wasn't up to me. The majority wanted to hear from witnesses, not me, bro. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that's what they're putting forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it, it should be a contentious day on the floor. Oh, yeah. Uh, and speaking of impeachment, a new poll out today from CNN says 51 percent of Americans think the Senate should vote to convict and remove Donald Trump, while 45 percent say no. It hasn't moved much over the holidays. Um, 59 percent of women say he should be removed. 42 percent of men say he should be removed. Predictable. 86 percent of black Americans say he should be removed. But they love him. <laughs> right. According to Trump. But what have we got to lose? That was his uh, really moving campaign speech for the African-American I saw, community. I saw photos of a bunch of white people wearing blacks for Trump <laughs> shirts on Twitter. Yeah. I had actually responded saying I've ex- never actually seen a black person wear one. And then I did get some people like responding with photos. But I was like, that is the first I've ever seen. It's just nuts. Uh, and... 65% of Hispanic Americans say remove, convict. 42% of white Americans say convict and remove. 56% of Americans under 45 say yes. So young people, more young people. Mm-hmm. While 47% of Americans over 45 say yes, convict and remove. And the most important number in the poll, the, in my uh, view, is 69% of Americans say witnesses should be called, while only 26% say no. Now, check this out. 86% of Democrats want to hear from witnesses. 69% of independents want to hear from witnesses. 48% of Republicans want to hear from Mm. witnesses. Only 44% do not. Wow. That's the first time I've ever seen a Republican poll flipped. Yeah. uh, Not in favor of the president. That is crazy. 48% of Republicans want to hear from witnesses. That is wild. And when you look at that first stat to 51% of Americans thinking the Senate should vote to convict and remove, those are 51, 51%. Those are all people that already believe that, right? So the other remainder, you know, are people that could still be swayed by witnesses. It's not like those are... Oh, right. 45% say no. Right. Who knows what chunk of that 45% would change their mind if John Bolton came out and said, that guy fucked your wife. Exactly. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas the 51% is already set in stone. Yeah. So basically they only have down to go there. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can only go down from there Mm -hmm. if witnesses are called. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's surprising to me. So the four major voting blocks, the four voting blocks... Uh, people of color, women, young people, and independents are all in favor of removing Trump. 58% yeah. of Americans say he abused his power and 57% say he obstructed Congress. So there are more people who think that he did the things wrong than want to remove him for mm-hmm. it. So I don't even, maybe they weird. just don't understand that you should be removed if you did those things. Yeah. Why do white people have to suck so bad? 42% of white Americans. <laughs> yeah. The lowest number. Yep. Uh, not good repping. Nope. <laughs> Here's some news. Two Puerto Rico officials, the secretaries of housing and family services, have been fired for mismanagement of emergency aid after Hurricane Maria. They found a giant fucking warehouse of unused serious items like water, emergency radios, baby supplies. They discovered this whole unused warehouse of stuff. And so they were fired. Uh, It's likely that warehouse has been there sitting untouched since 2017. Oh, my God. When I first saw that headline in the photo, I thought, oh, this is probably not from like a reputable news source because it was just such a big headline. And then I look and it's from CNN. Like, holy shit. I I, I can't even believe that. 
It's, That's so crazy. It's bananas. Um, That's like some movie shit. Yeah. There's a whole warehouse of relief supplies. Who the fuck? Yeah. Like, I can't believe. I can't believe. I just can't. I can't imagine what that. I mean, it's like outrageous to me. I can't imagine what it's like being a person who lives there struggling every fucking day with a government and a super government above them that can't get their shit together to help you out. And now you've got the earthquakes on top of it. Right, you're just perpetually you still don't even fucked. have power back on the island. It's 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 awful. Yeah, it's unbelievably awful and unbelievably unacceptable. Yeah, and we they're end. protesting a lot, right, right now. Yes, it. and I'm hoping to hear uh, more about it from the Dem candidates as they hit the trail, um, mm-hmm. because that really needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. You want to be America? You want to take over all this fucking land? That means you have to take care of it when shit happens. Yep. We want to just not. And how about Virginia today? Massive gun rally, um, and you know, anti take my gun away rally. A bunch of uh, <laughs> fucking sorry dorks showed up in camo and flak jackets and giant huge guns, and uh, basically walked around the Capitol. Uh, apparently, peaceful. Nothing bad happened. Um, so I'm very thankful for Me that. Me too. Uh, they did uh, arrest several white supremacists that were planning problems uh, leading up to this, but I'm glad that it, it went safely. I think that uh, speaks a lot to the the government there uh, and being able to keep it. Um, you know, they had some early warning stuff and they had some intel and they I think they used it properly and, and made sure that the, everybody maintained um you know, a peaceful protest and, uh, and, uh, you know, hats off to the protesters too, um, for, for keeping it chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you look like idiots, but yeah, I think so too. But, um, I'm really glad that nothing bad happened. And, and I, I know for a fact that, uh, the gun nuts are going to take credit for that when I think it's actually governor of Virginia. Yeah. Um, but that was a weird thing that happened today too. That was kind of scary to watch. Yeah, very scary, just how volatile that situation could have been, obviously. And that's what they wanted. They wanted people to see a whole group of people with guns and think, oh, fuck, that could turn real bad real fast if they decided to turn on something. That was the whole point. That's the whole point. And I think part of me, though, honestly, was looking at it, and I had a weird thing happen in my brain where I was just like, okay, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you know, the Second Amendment is in our Constitution, so if these people... Like, there's not really... The only thing that makes it crazy is the brains inside these people. I guess I had more of, like, a... Yeah, or the capacity of some of these weapons. Yeah, like, having that many... I guess it was a reality check. I can't... I shouldn't say calming, but it was kind of just a reality check. Like, yeah, this is what it looks like. There are a lot of people in America that have guns, Mm -hmm. and it is possible for them to get together and not shoot and kill things. And in that sense, I guess, it was, like... Again, not a positive reaction. Well, and I think that the the actual gun rights activists wanted to make sure that they didn't have any, you know, <laughs> incidents go down either. So I think that they were very careful to make sure uh, that that was taken care of as well. Yeah. The, uh, because that would have just, I mean, it would have really hurt their cause. Right. The origins of it with the white supremacists and, like, nationalists and just all of, you know, the, the shitty facets of that march obviously are awful but the fact that there are people that are you know law-abiding citizens that have guns and they wanted to get together and you know maybe there were some more positive facets of it and people were like 
we just believe in the Second Amendment and we're not crazy. Well, and here's the thing. What are you protesting exactly? Because you I, have the guns. You, you have it. <laughs> and and all I want you to do is go through a background check right. to get it, which all y'all probably have done. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what are you mad about? I'm not trying to take your gun away from you. I'm yeah. trying to just make sure that it's registered and uh, that it, you know, that it's, that I have, I know what the serial number is and I know where you live. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. The or at least I want you like... to have a background check or not have a felony or not be on the terrorist no fly list. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not asking for much here. Just exactly. tiny little gun law changes and you had to come out with your fucking, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. And I guess my point is like, the whole thing was pretty anticlimactic, and for that, that was calming in itself, yes, I think. that was very nice, yeah. actually. Uh, we'll be right back with the good news, so stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Uh, I used to wonder for a long time why I couldn't get a good night's rest. I thought it was me. I thought I was doing something wrong. Turns out my mattress was trash. Uh, I didn't realize that it, it, it was just, it had deteriorated uh, into a giant pile of torture devices in a sack. Uh, if you have issues with your sleep, it could be your mattress, and I urge you not to wait um, until your back is sore or until you have problems uh, and you're falling asleep at work. Instead, check out Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz, and they customize everything for you. It takes just two minutes to complete, uh, sometimes less, and it matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper or a hot sleeper, if you like soft or firm, with Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising on an average mattress. Helix Sleep was even awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Jordan, you tried yours out. Yeah, it's the best mattress I've ever had. <laughs> Seriously. 100%. Uh, I know Vandy has one. She's not here today, but she absolutely loves hers. Yeah. Uh, Joelle sleeps on one. I Mine is It's literally, I. it's like head and shoulders above yeah. anything else that I've ever slept on. And I set it up myself, too. Oh, nice. So yeah. it's not hard to set up. No. I Sweet. mean, it's, it's like heavy because it's like a good quality bed obviously but yeah it gets shipped directly to you easier with two people i would say but possible Probably. with one super super like it really can't get easier for the quality of mattress that it is that's so great uh and ten, like i said 10 year warranty try, try it out for 100 nights risk-free they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it but you will everyone i know who has it loves it uh, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $125 off. You'll be glad you did. All right, first up in the good news block, Patagonia. You know that company that makes coats and stuff? Oh, yes. Their CEO, female, has announced that her company is donating all $10 million of the dollars they banked from Trump's tax cuts to nonprofits who work on issues related to climate change and the environment. Yay! Her name is Rose uh, Marcario, and she wrote, Based on last year's irresponsible tax cut, Patagonia will owe less in taxes this year. $10 million less, in fact. Instead of putting that money back into our business, we are responding by putting $10 million back into the planet. Our home planet needs it more than we do. Far too many have suffered the consequences of global warming in recent months, and the political response so far has been woefully inadequate, and the denial is just evil. Taxes protect the most vulnerable in our society, our public lands, and other life-giving resources. In spite of this, the Trump administration initiated a corporate tax cut, threatening these services at the expense of our planet. Fuck yeah. Thank you, Patagonia. That is so fucking cool. So if you need a coat, they're not a sponsor, but I don't have a code for you, but 
pay five hundred dollars <laughs> it feels nice <laughs> but no that is really badass isn't that fucking cool that is super, super i hope cool. we hear more stories like this and won't they like fix your shit if it like rips or something i you know what i, I don't think know they have some sort of like a lifetime guarantee on some of their material i wouldn't be surprised which is nice they just do stuff right they're is a my good point. company yeah good company how hard is it it's apparently really really difficult how yes. hard is healthcare? i, I mean, mean getting to be hugely successful obviously is hard but then you know once you're there oh yeah we're not saying it's not hard work but it, yeah, it, it's yeah. not hard to to not be an asshole right and do the right thing yep god damn uh here's another cool story the first navy aircraft carrier named after an enlisted person and the first carrier named after a black sailor was announced on martin luther king day the boat will be named after mess attendant second class doris miller uh if you're in the navy you're familiar with this name uh, he was doing laundry when the attack on Pearl Harbor started, and despite having no gunnery training because the Navy was segregated then and they didn't train uh, anybody for that kind of thing, the black sailors were only allowed to work in the mess, uh, which is like the kitchen. Miller went to the deck uh, after the things happened. He was carrying injured sailors to the deck for, sa- for safety and then saw an unmanned Browning's machine gun, jumped behind it, started firing into the sky uh, at the incoming enemy planes um, and until his belt was empty took down a plane according to him and and then they uh the call came to abandon ship so he 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 did 106 sailors including the captain died that day 52 were injured 4 months after the attack on Pearl Harbor Navy Secretary William Franklin Knox uh, if you know if you're in the navy you know that name too uh, he expanded service roles for black sailors after that and today 78 years later he becomes the first black sailor to have his name on a carrier Doris Miller, a hero worthy of this international recognition. I'm so excited. Badass. Proud to be um, a former sailor. Uh, and, you know, we've got the Harvey Milk, too, mm-hmm. coming out. So these are this is all just such good news. Yeah. That's so uplifting. It really is. And yeah. it brings us to um, to our hashtag this week. Hashtag. And, of course, hashtag today, not this week, but today is hashtag MLK Day. So everyone... We are honoring Martin Luther King Jr. today, uh, and Dem candidates marched arm in arm. It was nice to see they were in Columbia, South Carolina today. Just all sorts of celebrations all around the country. Um, it's I'm I'm having been born on this day, having it be Martin Luther King Day, having it be inauguration day, uh, and it doesn't you know Martin Luther King Day doesn't always fall on my birthday, but um, it it does it a lot of the time. Super Bowl also, but uh, that is not a thing anymore because it's in February now because of capitalism yay but um having i'm i'm acutely aware of 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 the the honoring the memory and the celebrations and it's just it's such an important day and i know i grew up in arizona where we didn't even have a martin luther king day uh until much later until i think the 2006 it was it was you'll correct me on that if i'm wrong i'm sure but it was late in the game (laughs) and um and so when we got that recognition there, that was something that we really fought for for a long time. But it's just it had to head to hashtag MLK Day and see see how people are, are, are remembering him. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw his son and his granddaughter uh, speak. It was just absolutely wonderful. Um, it just positive messages. It, it was it's just nice for a minute to get away from worrying about the negative shit that's going on in this country right now and to and to focus on on a positive message mm-hmm. yeah i really um i'm really appreciative of the when i was at uc ucsd they a lot of my classes we read like so much of his stuff and just outside of kind of the more like mainstream works and he's just such an incredibly 
brilliant mind, incredibly brilliant mind in so many different ways, socially, obviously, but just right, like just such an incredible writer. His ideas about justice, legality. uh, You're right. So profoundly intelligent. I know. Like, like like just shit that I could never think. Yeah. You know, like, wow. There's also obviously a lot of really amazing quotes of his and and, um, things honoring him that's been going around on social media. But I wanted to share one of the angles that one of my friends posted that I think is really important. And the sentiment is basically... You know, when we talk about MLK, people talk about him a lot as someone who was a martyr or, like, died for something. And the point that they brought up was thinking about shifting how you think about that to he did not die for something. He was not a martyr. He was assassinated. Yeah. He was a man who was assassinated. Yeah. It was no sort of... He was not, like, signed up in our military and died a martyr. He was just killed arguably by i mean i know that there's like different theories and everything but just ultimately he well, was the fbi because... tweeted out a remembrance today and, and everyone's just like mm, maybe sit this one out right yeah yeah he was he was assassinated because he was at that point in time one of if not you know the face of liberation and he lived for a cause right he lived for a cause he was assassinated yeah yeah, that's a good way to think about that, or a, a, an interesting other way mm-hmm. um, to look at it. Thank you for that. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, it, w- would that be your final thought? Yeah. All right. Uh, I have no other final thoughts except for thank you so much for all the birthday wishes. Um, I am uh, happy to be a millennial. Um, I've always enjoyed being a millennial, so I appreciate all your millennial birthday wishes for me. I'm not. I'm <laughs> totally not. What, 29. <laughs> What's the oldest millennial? Who is the oldest living millennial I right now? I think Ryan is still a millennial, technically. <laughs> He's 35. Yes, so. are the oldest living millennial. My, I have a younger sibling that was born in 79. I was told they're millennials. Yeah. Uh, and that <laughs> would make her 39. So I think my sister You're is good. the oldest You're living millennial. You're in that, not even close. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, thank you so much for the wishes and uh, the podcasts say hello. The podcasts, by the way, are predicting that the president will be removed from office in the impeachment trial. They're they're the groundhogs. Yeah, they're they're that's their prediction. They don't. They seem very optimistic, but they're also pretty lazy and kind of dumb. So I'm not sure how much uh, st- uh, you know sauce mm-hmm. I would put on that steak. So they're like our politicians. Hey oh hey oh wapow. <laughs> kitchen towel <laughs> finger guns <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag i've been jordan coburn and them's the beans the daily beans is executive produced and directed by ag and jordan coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie mazell and starburns industries our marketing manager executive assistant production and social media direction is amanda reader fact checking and research by ag jordan coburn and amanda reader our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>